Thank you for listening to the weekly messages of New Providence Primitive Baptist Church. To subscribe to our podcast, hear other messages, or learn more about us, please visit nppbc.com. Thank you, burdens to the Lord, and leave them there. Amen. Um, it's hard, it's hard to leave them there. Um, burdens are something. At least sometimes, if the situation doesn't change or circumstances don't change, we tend to take the burdens back and we bear them. But aren't you glad he doesn't? He doesn't mind that. Now he's given us the instruction to leave them there. But I'll tell you right now, we have a God that's merciful and compassionate. He understands our suffering. He understands our heartache and our grief. And I'm grateful today that that as he served his master here, as the Lord followed. God himself, uh, he experienced what you and I do. He grieved, he suffered, and there were so many things that our high priest, you see, is able to... He he reckons with us because he understands just exactly what we're going through. So you can take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Turn with us this morning to the book of Luke, chapter number (coughs) 2. You say, is this a Christmas message? Well, they're all Christmas messages. Uh, it's not really about the timing, it's the subject matter. And so we're going to try to obey God this morning. We're going to begin at verse uh, verse number 21 and going to read uh, a few verses that are often overlooked. Luke chapter number 2, we'll begin at verse number 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child... His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, let now thou, lettest thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray for the unction to share it. We confess no abilities and simply trust in you today. 
by means of the Holy Spirit and your divine unction to speak into the hearts of every hearer. May we receive it and with joy obey. And Lord, may you change us today using this word. We, we confess before you our frailty of flesh and ask for your help. Guide us now as we humbly pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you'll excuse my cough today, it seems to occur every time I lift my voice. I'm not sure this will be a good experience, but I'm going to trust God for the truth today. However, it's presented is not really my concern. It's that we get it, that we receive it, and so I do covet your prayers. I want you to think this morning about Christ, and the title of the message would be Made Under the Law. Made under the law. We read to you this morning from the particular passage in Luke that's in between the shepherds having received and seen for themselves the glory of God's salvation through the baby Jesus Christ. And as they had gone on their way rejoicing and telling everyone they seen, Mary and Joseph marveled. And then we find this little passage of five verses hidden in between the the account of Simeon and Anna the prophetess, hidden in between what happened for the shepherds and then what happened between Simeon and them, we find these five verses that give us insight concerning Jesus who was made under the law. I want you to think about this today and the importance of it. I've never really, it's never really occurred to me. And as I was studying the particular passage of scripture this week, God surely spoke to my heart. And I love it when he does that, uh, for I've seen things that I've not seen before. And uh, I'm grateful for that. I don't know about anybody else, but as a churchgoer, I love hearing stuff I didn't hear before. Uh, I like hearing the same stuff too, don't get me wrong. I appreciate the Holy Spirit and the newness of it, but I like learning. And you know, to be a learner, you've got to be a student. To be a student, you've got to be disciplined. And I'll challenge you today, if you want to know something, ask God's faithful to share it with you. He's not hiding his book. Amen. If there's anything he wants you to know, it's what it says, what it means to us. And I believe it'll be a blessing to us. I want you to see today that Jesus from the very womb was made under the law. Now, he was grace in its very epitome, right? There's nothing more gracious and merciful by definition than Jesus Christ, the Son of God. (laughs) Oh, what a wondrous gift we were given when Christ was born. And he did it that he might free us from the bondage of sin. And it was sin, you see, that bound us uh, to that law because the law gave all of the right and the wrong. And, And when we failed to measure up to that, in the very best that we would do, The Bible would call it filthy rags in the sight of God. We found, according to the scripture, that all men were condemned. Every man condemned because we've been proven guilty under the the sinfulness of of, of our own flesh as compared to the law of God. And yet what we find is that Jesus Christ was born to be under the law. And he had to be under the law, and I'll share that, and that's my hope at least, is to share with you the purpose of that. 
at the end of the message, but I want you to see how faithful that Mary and Joseph were to keep the law of God, right? As parents, they're, they're very desired. See, they didn't know very much about this, all this light to the Gentiles and, and the saving of the people of Israel. They had heard certainly through the Old Testament, the stories and from the prophets of the Messiah that would come and what he would do. But they had no idea of the grace and the mercy and how he truly was going to deliver us. And yet we find that Mary and Joseph being down in Bethlehem. Now, Bethlehem was a place Mary didn't know anything about. She was from Nazareth. Amen. And that's where Joseph was. Now, he was born, his parentage, his lineage was in Bethlehem. And that's why he had to go back there. Not only that, he had to fulfill the prophecies and all that was spoken concerning the Christ that would be born. And Joseph did what God told him to do. Aren't you glad? Oh, I'm glad as I read back in chapter number one about Joseph that it spoke of him as being a just man. Now, he was certainly a gracious man and a merciful man. He was a man that was filled with compassion when he was faced with the very dilemma of Mary being with child and and her story about it being conceived of the Holy Spirit. He certainly had to go a lot on faith here, amen, to accept that. And oh, I believe it helped him for sure when the angel spoke to him and said, don't be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary, your wife, uh, for that which is conceived in her is is of the Holy Spirit of God. And he would uh, tell Joseph even that day that what his name was going to be, what a proud father he must have been the day he was born. Even though it wasn't of his own flesh, it wasn't of his own blood, he had received the word of God and he was obeying God. Oh, they could have done anything they wanted to. Mary and Joseph didn't have the help they would have had back in Nazareth. I tell you right now, when when a woman gave childbirth back in those days, there's a bunch of helpers. There's a bunch of women that would come in there and they would support as midwives and servants and helpers and they would help them. And as I think about that, when poor Mary and Joseph down there in Bethlehem didn't even have a place to lay their head, didn't have a home, born in a stable, Jesus was. And here they were. They had nobody watching after them, nobody helping them. And yet they chose to obey God. They chose to do God's work. God's will, the law of God was in their heart. It had been put in there since they were children. They knew what God's requirement was for a male that was born into this world. An Israelite, they knew what they were expected to do. And you know what? They could have done anything they wanted to, but they obeyed God. There wasn't nobody watching them. Wasn't nobody keeping track. There wasn't a priest that knew them from their home church that was saying, hey, it's time for you to do this or it's time for you to do that. No, Mary and Joseph had to make up their own mind. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to serve God? Or am I going to do my own thing? They might have even used a grand excuse like I ain't got no help down here. I don't know where the temple may be. I don't know the priest. I don't know these things. They may have done anything they wanted to do. And guess what? Nobody would have been the wiser. What about you today? Oh, I think about all kinds of times when I could do what I wanted to do and nobody know it. I could do what the flesh might want to do and nobody wouldn't know it. But don't we all have a choice to make whether to live right or not? Don't we every day have an opportunity to do what's just and what's right and to simply do it not because somebody's watching but because it's the right thing to do. (coughs) Let me see if I can share from you from the book of Leviticus. 
That's where they got their direction was from the law of God. And every one of them knew how it was supposed to go because they'd been taught that. Here we find that Mary, having given birth to Christ, was to be separated from everyone except the immediate help. Back in a normal situation when there would be midwives and other women to help take care of Mary after childbirth, Joseph was to be separated from her for seven days. She was to be separated from all visitors. She was certainly not allowed into a holy place because according to the scripture, she was unclean. Ceremonially unclean was the position of a woman who had just given birth. And according to the law of Moses, the Bible said, if you give birth to a man child, seven days you're to be separated from everyone else. Seven days from except that immediate help that is attending to you, you're to be separated, and that's part of the purification process. Now, uh, you wonder to yourself, why in the world something that's such as blessed as childbirth would God suggest that a woman be unpure or unclean until those days of purification? And Boy, as I thought about that, I thought, what a contradiction in my mind as I remember the birth of my own children. What a wondrous time that that was for me. What a proud time. What a thankful time that it was. And yet what God was reminding of is that every one of us were conceived in sin. Adam and Eve messed it all up, you see, because from that day forward, we were conceived in sin. Sin was born into our nature, and brother, sin has to be accounted for. There was a reminding in the purification process of a woman that sin had to be dealt with, that there was a troublesome nature within mankind, and God reminded them each and every time a child was born that there were responsibilities that went along with it. They couldn't circumcise the child according to the law until day number eight. Seven days according to the Levitical law had to pass before they could circumcise the child or name him. Now, if you were born a female, if you were a maid child, according to Leviticus, it was 14 days before you named them. 14 days. So there was a difference made between the female and the male. And as I really tried to understand that, I had one commentary that said, I don't have any answer for that one, other than to say that according to God, every male and female are the same before him, except he did say that every male that openeth the womb is holy unto the Lord. So he said, I'm just going to have to leave it up to the lawmaker. It was his business. And I'll just have to do the same thing because what I can tell you today is that according to the law of Leviticus after seven days, on day number eight, you were supposed to name the child and if he was a male, he had to be circumcised. Now, that was the law. And according to the word that we read to you here in verse number 21, what did they do? They did just exactly what the law said to do. (laughs) Amen. Can you imagine poor Mary and Joseph with the responsibility of bringing the Son of God into this world and raising him? I'll tell you right now, if I was Joseph, I'd have been checking back. What is it I'm supposed to do here? Amen. I'd have been wanting to make sure that I got that right. Because I can tell you right now, Joseph believed that the child was the Son of God. He believed that he was conceived of the Holy Spirit, and he believed that he was God's own son. I'll tell you right now, I'd have been just like Joseph. I'd have been hunting the scripture. I'd have been asking, what do I do? I want to make sure I get this right. Brother, and according to the Bible, on day at number eight, they circumcised the child Jesus and they gave him a name. Now, you say, who did that? 
Mary and Joseph did. Mary and Joseph did. You see, she wasn't allowed to be in the presence of anybody else. Only the immediate help for those first seven days. And on day number eight, you could have friends in. You could have family in. Let me take you back to the book of Matthew (coughs) and read to you about that. (coughs) Actually, I'm I'm not book of Matthew. Luke, same, same book, chapter number one. Remember when John the Baptist was born? Follow along with us in verse number 59. I'm just going to read you two verses. And it came to pass that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child. Now, they had some help there. And on day number eight, they were allowed in. And, and we read that, that there was a bunch of them there. When, they, when day number eight came, they were allowed in. The first stage of the woman's purification had taken place. And on day number eight, they came in to name the child and to circumcise the child. And the Bible said, and they called him Zacharias after the name of his father. Right? They come in to circumcise the child and to give him a name. And everybody came in and said, well, his dad's name's Zacharias. He'll be named Zacharias. And, and Elizabeth and his mother answered and said, not so, but he shall be called John. Amen. You know why they called him John? Because that's what they were told to call him was John. Amen. So they obeyed the Lord. Man, Joseph, they obeyed the Lord too. And I want you to see that the Lord Jesus Christ was raised up under the law. He's raised up under the law just like every other man child born to a Jew. He was raised up on the eighth day circumcised. Amen. Isn't that what the apostle Paul said in his testimony concerning him being a Benjamite and a Pharisee and all that? He said circumcised on the eighth day. By the law, you see. By the law. He said, I've followed the law ever since I've been a baby. My parents raised me in the law. Jesus was made under the law. (laughs) You say, that don't mean a thing to me. That's because you ain't a Jew. Because you've been raised in grace all your life. All you've ever heard is the New Testament mostly. <laughs> but now if you're of Jewish descent, it means something to you this morning when somebody said this fellow's been raised up under the law. Right? Because that's what they had and that's what they observed and it's how they honored God was to observe the very things that God said. And when it come to childbirth, if it was a male child, seven days were the purification process. But on eight, day number eight, the child was to be circumcised and given his name. And the Bible said that Mary and Joseph did that just exactly according to the law. When day number eight came around, Mary and Joseph circumcised the child themselves. And they named him Jesus. And why did they name him Jesus? Because <laughs> they were told to. That was to be his name. Verse number 22. Now there's two stages in the process of a woman's purification as pertains to childbirth. The first stage was seven days for a male child and 14 days for a female. According to the book of Leviticus chapter number 12, if it's a male child, the second stage of purification involves 33 more days. 33 more days. 33 plus 7 is how much? 40. And so on day number 41, you're allowed to go back to the temple. You're not allowed in the temple, not allowed to take of the Passover, not allowed to eat of anything that is clean or holy. You're not allowed to touch anything that's holy because the woman's purification is not yet complete. The completion of that purification was on day number 40. And when that was over on day 41, they could go to the temple and do what was then required of them. And that was to offer sacrifices for the child. 
to offer sacrifices unto God. And I'll get to that in a second. If it was a female child, the, the purification required 66 days. 14 in the initial, 66 in the end, 80 in total. So on day number 81, a child could go and be presented to the priest and sacrifices made. And by the way, sacrifices were required. Sacrifices were required. Every time a child was born, sacrifices were required, two of them. But before I leave that, let me just say this. When Jesus was seven days old, on the eighth day, his parents circumcised him and gave him a name. On day number 41, they picked him up and they hauled him into the temple in Jerusalem, and that's where they met Simeon. Now, at day number 41, and let's just say around 41 days, the child's going to be about six weeks old. Have you ever thought about that? When he came into Simeon, Simeon saw a six-week-old. He didn't see a newborn. Well, I guess they're newborn still at six weeks, but but you see what I'm saying? He, he saw a, the man-child that was brought into him that day on day number 41 because they had kept the law of the Lord. They had done just exactly what they had been told to do in the Levitical law, and they followed it to the T. And you find now as they went into the temple that they went their own purpose. The purpose, according to the Levitical law, was to bring two sacrifices. And according to Leviticus, what you find is if a person was rich, if a man and a woman was rich, that a child was born into a rich family, they had to bring a burnt offering of a lamb. The burnt offering of a lamb. Burnt offering is a thanks offering. It is, it is a thanksgiving. It is a thankfulness unto God for, for whatever, for the birth of the child, for the health of the child, for God's grace upon the child. But it was a burnt offering. And if you were rich, you had to bring a lamb. But if you was a poor, the Levitical law said that you were to bring either a turtle dove or a pigeon. Turtle dove or a pigeon. You know what Mary and Joseph brought? Well, what did it say? The Bible said, and they brought two turtle doves. Was Mary and Joseph rich? <laughs> no, they weren't rich at all. They were poor. And they brought a turtle dove, a thanks offering that would be given unto God, a thanks offering. And they had to bring it to the priest, you see. The priest is the one that had to kill the turtle dove and had to offer it up unto God as a burnt offering and a thanksgiving offering. They brought their turtle dove. They brought two of them, by the way, because there was a second required sacrifice, and that was a sin offering, according to Leviticus. Every child born into the world had to have a burnt offering and a sin offering. The burnt offering for thanks unto God and a sin offering for an atonement. Did it save the child? Not in the least, right? Just like a lot of religions, they want to baptize children and say that we baptize them into the Lord. I'll tell you right now, you ain't saved until you're born again by belief and faith of Jesus Christ. The atonement that was given for them was a sin sacrifice that completed the process of purification. And when they offered the sacrifice unto God, it was a turtle dove for a burnt offering, a turtle dove for a sin offering. And I thought it was interesting to note that, that when it come to the sin offering, there wasn't no difference between the rich and the poor. Ever thought about that? When it comes to sin, the price is the same. Whether you're rich or poor, the price for sin is the same. When it comes to thanksgiving, the more you have, the more you can give in your gratefulness. And so a lamb was required for the rich and a turtle dove for the poor. But when it's a sin offering, it's the same price. 
Mary and Joseph brought the sin offering and the burnt offering unto the priest, and they presented it unto God, two turtle doves, and that was offered for the Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder what Simeon thought holding the Lamb of God in his arms when he saw a turtle dove which was going to be offered for sin. May I say to you today that the sin offering for Jesus, he didn't need a sin offering. (laughs) Mary and Joseph did, but Jesus didn't need a sin offering. He didn't need an atonement for sin. He was the perfection of God in the flesh brought down for you and I. But I'll tell you the importance of it was not the offerings given, but that they minded the law of God. That Jesus Christ was made under the law. Now, this information opened my heart to a simple truth, that God did everything that was required to pay the penalty for sin (laughs) for me. Amen. When Simeon looked upon the child and he blessed the Lord for what he had saw, that he knew that the salvation of God was in his own hands, in his arms. And as he looked down upon the child, realizing that he would be allied unto the Gentiles and the glory of his people Israel, a Savior born into the world, he rejoiced. He rejoiced. Oh, we find that Jesus Christ was made under the law. (coughs) Born to two devout Jewish people, born to parents that knew the law and kept him, raised him up in the custom of the law. I can assure you they read and they shared and they probably taught him everything they could out of the Old Testament. Jesus was made under the law. Turn with us now to the book of Galatians chapter number three as the apostle Paul brings this to an end for us. Galatians chapter number three, I'm sorry, chapter number four, Galatians chapter 4, going to begin at verse number 4, and let me read to you what the Apostle Paul said. Now, he's recounting the same thing that I just read to you. He's going to share it in a little different way. Galatians chapter number 4, verse number 4. But when the fullness of time was come. What fullness of time? Read the next part. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son. And how was Jesus sent forth? Through the virgin, born unto Mary and Joseph. The apostle Paul would recount for the Galatian people saying unto them, look, Jesus was raised up under the law when the time was fully come and God would send his son. He brought forth, he sent his only son to be born there that day in Bethlehem. The Bible said, made of a woman, Galatians 4 again, made of a woman, made under the law. Jesus Christ, the King of glory, the very uh, very definition of grace and mercy was made under the law. You say, why? Why was Jesus made under the law? Read with what the apostle said, verse number five, to redeem them that were under the law. (laughs) Amen. Every one of us are born under that same law. It is that law that dictates our destiny. It is that law that condemns me to die because of my inability to ever achieve its perfectness. You see, every one of us are born under that law. We're born under that law, born as Galatians 3, 23 would say, but before faith came, we were kept under the law. Galatians 3, 23. Before Jesus Christ, before the faith in God came, we were kept under the law. Shut up under the faith which should afterwards be revealed. 
Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after that faith has come, we are no longer under a schoolmaster. Why did Christ have to be born under the law? So that he could redeem everyone else that was born under the law. You see, what had to be sacrificed was something of the same nature of what was being atoned for. The blood that was shed had to be human. It had to be of the same value of those he was dying for. And brother, he had to be a willing sacrifice. Jesus Christ was made under the law. Made of a woman. Born under the law. And what do we know about Jesus Christ is that he lived according to the law perfect without sin. (coughs) A perfect sacrifice who had never sinned, who went to the cross ultimately having fulfilled every jot and tittle, everything the law required, Jesus Christ perfectly kept. And brother, he had to in order to save you and me from it made under the law. And so when we read in Luke chapter number 2 verse 21 through 24 that Mary's or that Mary and Joseph raised Jesus according to the Levitical law, we can say today, thank you God. Thank you God that the law was not absent from Christ, but the law he was made under that law and he lived perfect according to that law. Think about it now. It was at that infancy stage where Jesus didn't really have any any power to do one way or the other. You know what he was doing? He was depending on somebody else to do what needed to be done. In those days when he was seven days or eight days old and 41 days old, amen, Jesus couldn't do for himself. But there was somebody that did for him. And so the apostle would say in Galatians chapter three that when the fullness of time had come, that God sent forth his son being made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. You see, Jesus Christ had to be born in the law so that he might save us from the law. Because we were kept under law, according to Galatians 3, we were kept under that same law. It was our schoolmaster. It was the very thing that taught us right from wrong and yet we were never able really to figure out how to do it, how to achieve perfect rightness before God without Christ and yet Jesus came to deliver us from the law. That's our message. Come get us all. Well, as strange as that Christmas story might have been, I want you to know that everything that Jesus did was according to the will of God. And he did that so that he could save the likes of you and me. He did that so that he could redeem us and set us free. The precious Lamb of God, everything that was done was according to the will and the work of God in him. And oh, I'm grateful today that when we read of that perfect keeping of the law in those days of Jesus when he was an infant, that perfect keeping, we find that Jesus was made under the law so he might when he died and rose from the dead, redeem us from that same fate. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad Jesus, our Redeemer, hath saved us 
from the law. Stand if you would. If you're here today and you know in your heart you're not right with God, I'll give a simple invitation. You need Jesus more than you need your next breath. You need Christ before anything else. You need to know that everything he did, he did so that he could save you. So he could save you. Jesus raised perfect in every way and yet lived that way was the example of the very sacrifice that had to be offered unto God so that you and I could go free. If you need him today, as we stand, would you come?